It's two jerks, one vote, and this time Jerkatorium reviews Nurein 14's final round with our special guest Travis, also known as Spintown, the co-creator of Spintunes. You never thought you'd have to write a song with some traffic sounds and a cameo from your mom, but it's two in a week and it better be strong or else you're gonna get eliminated. You never thought you'd have to write a song in 11-8 with the stupid random title you hate, but it's due in a week and it better be great or else you're gonna get eviscerated. Welcome to Nerine, you're gonna have a bad time. You'll flounder and flail and embarrass yourself, you'll strain and you'll fail and endanger your health. Welcome to Nerine. It's not gonna be fine Yeah, you're gonna lose it You're gonna lose this neurine I just wanted to jump in here in the beginning with an introductory comment. We had scheduled and then rescheduled and then rescheduled this podcast, and the very last scheduling of it was very last minute. So we didn't think that Travis was going to be able to join us, unfortunately. And then while we were recording this podcast, he called in. So we were very, very glad to have him involved and have him join us for this podcast. The thing is, though, rather than edit this around to try and make it sound like he was here the whole time, I just pretty much kept it as is, so it might be a little confusing. Basically, we go through our vowel sounds review, and he calls in, and he does his review, and we talk to him a little bit, and then he also does some agony sauce commentary, and he had not reviewed the shadow songs, so he leaves after that. Anyway, I just wanted to describe that. The editing might be strange. I apologize, and that's the reason. But enough of that. On to the podcast. You're going to lose this neurine. Do we have any wrap-up from last round? Oh, man. So long ago. What was that? The What the hell was that even? I got to look now. Was that the U2? Yes, U2. Okay. And Val Sounds was the winner, which we remember. Again, they won and didn't get anything from it. Yep. Agony Sauce were not eliminated, so that's great for them. Uh, Max Bombast, Rachel Lane, and Rain Watt got the boot. Yeah. And that was maybe not all that unexpected. Honestly, I know that we were going for Rachel. Yeah, we were all aboard the Rachel Lane train. Yeah, but I mean, there was no way to be disappointed with with anybody in the top two when it comes right down to it. So I, I might've been a little disappointed if Vowel Sounds hadn't gotten into the top two, but yeah, I guess I'm also a little disappointed that Rain Watt didn't get into the top two, but you know, we both put her at number five, I think. Yeah. yeah. Because she kind of, you know, it was a great song, which was not as great as the other ones that round. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, surprised that Rachel Lane didn't make it into the top two, but now we're on the survival title. We already know who won. So this podcast is just a review podcast with us, I guess, I don't know, we're patting ourselves on the back for guessing the right people (laughs) to winners. I don't know. I'm not sure that all of the votes were attributed this time around. No, I don't think any of them were. Yeah, I don't mind that for this one because it's such a much larger kind of pool. But the judges in general preferred vowel sounds. I feel pretty safe in saying that. And the other thing is that, you know, had all of the judges not been voting, then Vowel Sound still would have won. 
Right. So, we all voted as a block this time for Val Sons. Unintentionally. We didn't yeah. plan that. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. Survival, bring your A-game. Uh, so nice to have a podcast where there's only two songs to review. Oh, you know? yeah. We can yeah. Get, we'll, we'll be able to get dinner done on time tonight. That's right. Only two people submitted. So it's really... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Ivedge? Kraken Lives? Lycanthrope? Mandibles? Oh, that should be it, though, right? That's got to be it. Oh, wait, there's one Max Bombast shadow entry, too. Oh, wait, there's another Max Bombast shadow entry. Two in one week? That's unimaginable. Uh, Wait, what? Wait, I I see a third. And a fourth and a fifth. Five entries from Max Bombast. Uh, Yeah, crazy. Apparently he had lots to say on this round. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. All All right, right. I guess we're going to be an hour into this. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. As I understand it, like never in the history of Nurain has there been so much own room participation, you know, so many shadow entries. And I think that's really remarkable. And I, I kind of wonder if spin tunes contributed to that, you know, like if the spin tunes trend, the spin tunes sensibility, you know, the, the spin tunes mindset has kind of infiltrated more Nurainers because shadowing has always been a bigger thing in spin tunes. And with Narayan, just kind of like looking back in the own room, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. The own room song fight bulletin board thread. It's usually been only maybe a couple of entries for like every other round in any given Narayan. But this time around, every subsequent round has had at least some shadows and often enough people submitting shadows for every round, which is amazing. Yeah, it's great. I think part of what helped is that they now appear on the main page if you email them on time. Yeah, yeah. And I also think just calling them shadows helped because now we don't have to try to figure out how to pronounce it. That's right. Yeah, I think I'll do that from now on. I'm not even going to say the other, the O-R words, but yeah. I know how to say it. I'm just not gonna. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, It's admirable. Yeah. Restraint. Do you want to start or should I? Why don't you start? Okay. You know, we'll we'll get to it, but the Agony Sauce song was great, but the Vowel Sounds song was incredible. 
I thought. You know, it starts off, and I'm like, okay, you know, this sounds good. You know, it's nice enough. And the chorus rolls around, and it's all sounding really good. But then the second half of that chorus kicks in, and it just slams you. And I'm like, holy crap. And the song just grabs me by the lapels, and it slaps me a couple of times. And I I just love this song. You know, it, it makes me feel, you know, like every time I listen to it. This song is like on an entirely different level to me. Uh, the music is fantastic. The lyrics are touching and gripping. The narrative is perfect, too. So, you know, I voted for this song, and there is nothing wrong with the Agony Sauce song. That is a great song, too, but the Vowel Sounds song, you know, causes emotional reactions in me, and it's a great climactic end to the Ouija verse narrative. And, um, you know, this past week, I just go back and listen to this song over and over and over and over again. You know, there was a whole list on the uh, Narine archive where it had the agony sauce and the vowel sounds and the mandibles and the lichen throat and then the five max bombast. And I would get to the vowel sounds and then it would try to go on to lichen throat and I'd just keep on going back to the vowel sounds. Right. Uh, I just love the song. Yeah, me too. I loved it from the opening chimey intro guitar chords. Like, Vom is so good at getting those chimey guitar chords to sound so nice when he strums them. It's kind of Beatles-esque, and it's just a really great way to start the song, and it hooks me in every time. I love the way the organ comes in on the chorus. It's just really great storytelling, and I'm really invested in the story, and I thought it was super cool the way the murdered girl comes through on the radio from the Ouija board, and, you know, there's some really cool ghostly wailing backing vocals from Owl during this. I love the sax. It's just, it's all so good, but I think what really put this over the top for me is just the completion of the story arc. I definitely respect the hell out of what Agony Sauce did with the cumulative challenges, but, you know, I, I really, just telling a story in all of the songs and have it sort of be cohesive, that really moved me. And then the way they ended it, I thought was really good. So that's what put it over the edge for me. Hello. Hey, Travis. Hey. I think we've got you. Yeah, I, I just now checked uh, Slack, so I didn't see it until just now. All right. Well, welcome. You know, you came in just in time. We just started talking about the Val Sound song. I was really impressed with both of the entries this round, even the Shadows. It was kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. We talked a little bit about how great the Shadows were and how many Shadows there are. Uh, particularly by one person. <laughs> <laughs> Did not escape our attention. Yeah. yeah. Before we get too far, let's introduce you. So this is... Spin Town, uh, should we call you Travis or should we refer to you as Spin Town or what, what do you prefer? It's whatever you guys want. It's fine. I go by either. Okay. We'll call you Travis because Spin Town is a little clunky and weird. <laughs> okay. Usually, you know, I, I give bona fides, but I don't know exactly what to say about you other than you are one of the co-creators of Spin Tunes. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, definitely a co-creator. I mean, I was the one who ran it for the first seven years, but I wouldn't have ever started it if i didn't have like a half dozen other people give me a kick in the butt to actually do it so now, cool. if i remember you're equally well known if not more well known in the minecraft community <laughs> i guess uh i I've saw that some of your videos have an insane amount of views yeah i i used to play with some very 
popular gamers on YouTube. So I got a little notoriety from that. But I mean, I myself, I don't have a big audience myself. I just knew a lot of people who did have a big audience. Very cool. Wow. Yeah, this is going to be really awkward when we get to one of the Max Bombast reviews because I, I shame video gamers in my review. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for the zombie song, I bet that's where that is. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll get to it. <laughs> It'll be a nice surprise that I insult you <laughs> during a podcast <laughs> where you're nice enough to call in. Well, uh, we've all been insulted in song already by Glenn, so. That's true. That's <laughs> true. So, Travis, I want you to explain to us your fascination with Today's the Day. Okay. So, a friend of ours, long time ago, this is like when Masters of Song Fu was a thing, before Spin Tunes, he wrote some songs, and one of them was Today's the Day. And he bugged him specifically was bugging other people in our little circle of friends to cover one of his songs. And he's like, it'd be cool if we, we all started covering each other's songs. And so somebody did, and then he never covered a song. <laughs> but, <laughs> but somehow it just kind of became a tradition. Like one friend covered that song, another friend covered the song. It was all people we knew started covering the same song. And we just thought it was really cool to keep hearing a new take on the same song over and over again because everybody brings something a little different to the table. And once our circle of friends, a lot of them had already covered the song, it's like, okay, now we start reaching out to different people. And I kind of get a little obsessed with things once in a while. And <laughs> I just didn't ask people. I'd like check Kickstarter and I'd see, oh, that guy has a cool project going on. What's his rewards? If he had a cover song reward and I liked his project and his music, a lot of times I'd back him at the cover reward and get them to perform Today's the Day. Or <laughs> sometimes I just harass people by asking them on Twitter, hey, can you cover this? Can you cover this? I mean, I bugged somebody for two years. He finally covered the song after two years of me bugging him. So, Oh, nice. And this is somebody I didn't know. Yeah, that person, Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just become a thing between a lot of spin tuners now in that circle that – you know, we just try to get people to cover it because we like not necessarily the song. It's not a bad song, but we enjoy getting a new take on it. It's a tradition now. Very cool. Now, I, I know that some folks that you have paid on Kickstarters to cover the song, like, stiffed you or came very close to stiffing you. Any interesting stories there? Okay, they're not going to be happy if I tell the story because they wanted me to take down the video, but okay. <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> Northern National uh, had a Kickstarter, and they stiffed me and lied to me multiple times over the course of a couple years. And I tried to guilt them through like just messaging them, uh, emails and Twitter and direct messages and stuff like that. I was like, hey, dude, I paid you like all this money. You said you were going to do this. Come through. I'm not asking for anything more than what you said you would do. And they just kept lying to me, putting it off, never doing it. They would never give me an update unless I basically went to them first, even though they'd missed like dozens of deadlines. So eventually I put together a YouTube video with all the documentation of their Kickstarter and all the messages back and forth. And it just made them look like complete asses. And they were. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent them a link and I told them, yeah, everybody in your contacts that I can find is going to be getting a link to this. Basically, it's like you sift me. This is what you get. And it was like 24 hours later, they sent me a acoustic cover. Of the oh, song. that's awesome. And the worst part is, is they had to ask me for like the fourth or fifth time over this time, what song are we supposed to cover again? It's like, oh my God, Dick. those losers. <laughs> oh my God. 
And the thing is, is that I really did like their music. I mean, I don't just go on Kickstarter and pick random people. It's like I listen to their pitch and I'll listen to their music. And it's like I think these guys got some talent. They need a little help to produce whatever they want. And that's fine. I'm willing to do that. But they got to come through with the stuff they say they're going to come through with as well. And yeah, but they got, I got the cover. Nice. Now, you often work with song fight artists and other community people to do songs for your videos. Is that where Kill Thief came from? I really like that one. Yeah, that's from Josh Woodward, who's a song fighter. Uh, uh, That's another Kickstarter one he does, uh, which he just, by the way, if you guys like Josh Woodward and song fighters, new album out. uh, Go check it out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But he does Kickstarters, and a lot of times he'll have like a tiny tune reward. So he'll do like a 20, 60 second little jingle for you about whatever you want. (laughs) Sometimes he'll. If he does something that he really likes himself, he can expand on it and make it a full song. And he's done that where those things have ended up on his actual albums. So I've hired Jonathan Mann and other song fighter. Well, I don't know necessarily song fighters. Jonathan and Josh are the two that come to mind that I've hired through song fight, though. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, you've also sort of described yourself as a bit of a layperson, I guess. Is that fair to say in terms of musical production? I know nothing. <laughs> that's that's actually why I ran Spin Tunes is because within the circle of friends that were in the uh, Masters of Song Fu TMA community, I was the one who wasn't a musician. And by me running the contest, it didn't prevent anybody else from competing. But if one of them had to run the contest, how can you run a contest and you know make it look fair that you're also competing? They right. wanted to compete too. So I was kind of the natural choice and that's honestly the only reason i ran spin tunes is i was the non-musician that makes perfect sense yeah Yeah. otherwise like i said it is definitely a a group project because any of those other people could have done what i did i it was nothing special it was the music and the people who competed that made it special i guess we know a lot about travis after all right yeah i guess so (laughs) yeah yeah i actually i was expecting just song talk not an interview but okay i don't mind (laughs) You know, we want people to know who we're talking to and who we're talking with and, and your background and, uh, you know, why you're a judge and uh, what you've done in the past and all of that stuff. And um, I'll, I'll be self-indulgent enough to ask, have you heard our cover of Today's the Day? <laughs> yes, and I enjoyed it. I think I responded to you guys when I – th- I think I sent you a message on maybe on Song Fight. But, yeah, I enjoyed that. I know I sent you a message when you won Spin Tunes. That, congratulations <laughs> yes. now that I'm talking to you in person. Yeah, you're not on Twitter, Ryan, so you don't see all the back and forth on that. I think he retweeted our post about that song or maybe had a separate tweet about it. But yeah, I definitely would have tweeted it out or something because every time I get a new cover, I do. But yeah, you guys did a good job with it. And I was very impressed with your Spin Tunes outing. And I was kind of disappointed to find out you guys were judging Narine just because I knew I wouldn't be hearing your songs. Yeah. Well, this has been a very, very sort of a disappointing experience for us. So I'm sure we're not going to be doing this in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, part of and I think most of it is just like the frequency of these podcasts. They're, they're harder to put out than it seems. It seems like we're just chatting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But there's a fair amount of work that goes into it in terms of editing. 
And then, of course, you know, we have to schedule and it's a big drag. You know, I thought it would be easier than writing out reviews because all we are is yammering with each other. But no, it's kind of like you write reviews and you listen to the songs over and over and then you have to do the recording and then you have to edit the recording and then you have to post it. And we do all this thing where we make it easier for people by separating it out there for, you know, their individual songs so they don't have to listen to this entire loathsome podcast that we do. <laughs> so, you know, they can just skip ahead to their own bit and, and ignore everybody else. But anyhow, the whole thing is that it, it just takes so much longer than simply writing reviews would have been. And also, Glennie had asked us about it, and I can say pretty definitely now that, yeah, this inhibits our music production. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, we're still probably going to do the Song Fight podcast, but I think then only when we get guests. Because when we get guests, it's the main treat. Like, having you on is a great treat, because we were so easily able to goad you into giving us compliments. <laughs> just, just a couple minutes ago. And that's, that's all that we really want. So it's been great having you on the podcast, and we'll see you later. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> Ego well, food. I, I, can I can understand the amount of work that goes into a podcast like this, because you guys just, just don't do like I do when I like record video games or anything. I, I just record, movie maker, edit, done. The whole process takes like an hour if it's like a 45-minute video. It's really quick. And the fact that you guys had all those links available to each like individual section of your podcast i couldn't believe you guys went that extra step i mean just to put out like an hour podcast like or even longer for the first couple of rounds gosh mm -hmm. that i thought was above and beyond but you guys really took it to another level and same thing with the, the new ugly i've been listening to both podcasts and i, I really appreciate everybody giving feedback like that because it's time consuming yeah those guys come up with lots of insights that would never occur to us so. yeah i've listened to every one of their shows and really enjoy them too yeah Editing would be a lot faster if Ryan would just stop dropping <laughs> everywhere into the into the <laughs> podcast. Hey, I gotta be me, <laughs> but not for recording it. <laughs> All right, so so we did talk a little bit about vowel sounds. What is your take, Travis? Why don't you jump in on that? I'll be honest. I mean, as impressed as I have been with Agony Sauce and vowel sounds throughout the contest, I've been torn throughout the contest, like, okay, drop the gimmick. Okay, oh, I love the gimmick. Drop <laughs> the gimmick. I love the gimmick. And they happened to get lucky in the last round with me because I liked it. <laughs> uh, I thought it completed the story to my satisfactory. And there were times with previous songs they did where I was like, okay, I thought this was a cool twist to the story the round prior, but now I think this is getting a little silly and a little... I think it doesn't really fit the story I envisioned myself because when I listen to a song, a lot of times, yeah, I hear what they wrote, but a lot of times I extend it in my head. It's like if I read a short story or see a movie, I kind of like to imagine what happened afterwards. And a lot of times they would conflict what I was thinking it should have went. And it's like, oh, well, I don't really care for that. But I thought they did a good job with the last one. I thought it was an interesting story and it feels catchy. They took so many drastic turns along the way with like the storyline but it all still kind of fits together pretty yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, they had to make the title and the challenges work with the story that they wanted to tell, which is very mm -hmm. impressive. And I don't think that they had a plan. Yeah. Uh, I get the impression that they just rolled with the titles they were given, and that might have also even given them some direction. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I liked it a lot. Did you guys notice the chorus vocals at the end? 
I'm not sure. I might have to go back and listen. That was apparently uh, Glenn, uh, Rachel, and a bunch of their friends singing chorus at the end. And also at the end, those dogs barking, those were uh, Glenn's, Glenn's dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem as apparent to me that it was them in this song as it was apparent to me that uh, vowel sounds appeared in the Agony Sauce number. Yeah, yeah, because Owl's vocals are very distinctive. I think Vom's in there too, right? I didn't hear Vom, but I definitely heard Owl on the backing vocals of the Agony Sauce song. Yeah, we are kind of jumping ahead. Should we actually officially jump ahead Yeah, now? let's talk about Agony Sauce. Yeah, so the first thing in my notes is harmonized guitars. I love the guitar sounds in this song all over the place. Mo is a great guitar player. He pays a lot of attention to tone. I thought the guitars just sounded amazing. I love the Gloria Gaynor vocal sample, the vocal hook. That's the kind of thing that I was hoping people would do when I came up with the vocal hook challenge, and it was great that they used it so well. There's some bloopy chip tunes in here that I thought worked really well too. There's a lot of things to like in this song. I thought the 70s groove that it sort of has is kind of emphasized by this skanky rhythm guitar that plays on the offbeats. It's just really cool sound to it. And yeah, that was definitely Owl on backing vocals. And my review, I, I wrote one out, but I was kind of waiting to post mine because I didn't know if I was going to do this with you guys or not. Uh, it was very similar to the other song simply because... I was hoping they would drop the gimmick <laughs> again <laughs> for the last round, because, especially the last round with Agony Sauce, because it's the same thing as the previous. There was nothing added. It's bring your A game. So I was like, okay, you've done this incredible thing. Now I want to hear something different. And I did feel like it was like, okay, this is Pocus Pocus was in there, you know, the spelling, but it didn't really feel like it should be. Then there were a number of things with the song I felt the same way. It's like, I've heard this before. This is really, it's a different song completely. I mean, I'm not saying it sounds exactly like it, but I was tired of the Monster Mash type song. Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Trying to cram everything else in there. There were a couple times during the contest I felt that it affected the quality of their song. Yeah. But I was also amazed at the same time that Majority of the time, the song still turned out amazing, despite they were doing all this added work. And this was an amazing song, but I was just hoping for something different because I felt like the gimmick didn't impress me this time around because they did it last time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But on the other hand, this kind of shows that you are not adequately OCD 
yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, because like if you're going to go six rounds and do this or seven rounds, do this, then you'd have to do it for the last one too. I mean, to just drop it all and do a G and G would, you know, be, be kind of phoning it in, I figure. But I mean, I think the previous round, it, uh, it kind of hampered their song, but I don't know the one before that, I thought it was excellent. And then this one, I thought, I thought it worked fine too. I, I don't know. I, I like this. I liked it a lot. There's nothing bad that I can say about this song. I just didn't like it as much as Vowel Sounds. You know, I, I've probably heard Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive more than the average Joe, uh, yet somehow that I Was Petrified clip didn't jump right at me. I did like how they incorporated the Diana Ross in there. I thought it felt really like it fit the song. It didn't feel out of place at all with their sample. Okay, we're going to clip this out because uh, it's, it's not Diana Ross. That's Gloria Gaynor, yeah. Okay. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> okay, guys, I may not be as old as you. I don't know. Ouch! I say again, how dare you, man? Always say, I was supposed to compliment you guys throughout the podcast. I forgot. No insults. No, no, we're, we're older than dirt. So, I, you know what's interesting about, about Agony Sauce and Vowel Sounds working together? is that the idea occurred to both of them independently. So apparently Vom had the idea about doing a collab with them like a few rounds earlier, and then in the last round, Glenn apparently reached out to them and suggested that they work on each other's songs a little bit just for fun. And they both thought it was such a cool idea, and they weren't going to be like cutthroat about the competition. And they decided mm. to help each other out. And I think that's extremely cool. And they, they had fun working with each other, which I think is amazing. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful idea. I actually didn't realize until I read the boards that Battle Sounds was on this track. And, uh, and I, I, I think it's just an amazing, amazing idea, you know. Uh, and it was a great, you know, clever use of them in the verse that mentions the Ouija board, yeah, too, yeah. Which, is, which is perfect. So, yeah, I was a little surprised that they were just layered on the octave instead of harmonized, but it doesn't matter. It was it was fantastic. It worked well. It, it was a, just a nice little kind of Easter egg thing that, that the insiders need to know. And it works so well in the context of the competition and in the song itself. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a great song. Great melody. Uh, amazing guitar work. You know, the guitar work reminded me of Glennie. You know, like Faster Jackalope and Cave Dwellers and stuff like that, because it's that kind of level of quality guitar work on both the rhythm and the lead. So yeah. I was really, really impressed. It's really great that both of them had that attitude where they're not going to be so cutthroat. They're obviously competitive or they wouldn't have gotten this far. I mean, they've got the competitive nature to them, but the fact that they're willing to like realize it's this is supposed to be for fun. A lot of people forget that in these contests and i've had so many nasty emails and stuff over the years for little things because people lose sight that nobody's getting paid for this on <laughs> either end running it or competing in it so if you're not having fun you're doing it wrong and i'm glad that they seem to be doing it right yeah i wanted to apologize about those emails about <laughs> <laughs> those anonymous emails which you said yeah i i you know i wasn't going to actually do any of that stuff so yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, no, it's, it's also great that people in the song fight community are getting to know each other better and are working together. It's just a great community thing. Yeah. Well, song fight and spin tunes and Nur Ayn, I think one of the main things is just song production. So you, you get a little 
caught up in the competition aspect of it just because you're thinking like, you know, you put so much work into it and you try and perfect something and, you know, you put so many hours into it and you think it's great. And then you're compared to other people who are also in the same boat who are putting a lot of blood, sweat and tears into something. And then to have a judge kind of say, well, you know, I've got genre bias, so I liked this country song better than yours or something like that. It it's, can be really, really frustrating. And and I, I get that. But on the whole, in the big picture, I think all of these competitions, it's just a great drive to produce music. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the main thing. I mean, Jurgatorium and Matchy Matchy has never won any round of any Nurein. And actually, you know, same thing with Spin Tunes. But I think that we've generated some of our very, very best music that did not come in first in either of those. So I think anything that gives us this impetus to just generate a bunch of music is kind of the main deal here. Yeah. Competition brings out the best in people and the uh, worst. <laughs> yeah. We care. That's why. All right. Now, uh, Travis, did you listen to the Inflatable Vegetable song? I didn't do reviews for The Shadows. I never have this contest. So I, I'm not going to be have notes in front of me for anything with The Shadows. So I might not be able to give too much feedback. Okay. But I did listen. Okay. So. All right. Well, if we're to the point where we're to The Shadows, I, I'll just say one thing about them is, again, doing Shadows, I'm glad that Narine now is like featuring them on the website because, again, that's – the kind of spirit that you should have coming into these contests is about the music, not about winning or anything. So it's good to see people continue to play along and Max just damn nice job. Yeah. Uh, you, you, slow clap, I guess uh, <laughs> you're, you're the winner of this round for me. I mean, Glenn and Val sounds, I mean, yeah, they both produce great songs, but they didn't produce four. It was five songs. Wasn't it? Five, five songs. Five. Yeah. Five songs. So five good, good songs. Yeah, they, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't, weren't half-assed. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, you came in late, but in the intro, we were kind of talking about this, and I was blaming spin tunes for infecting Nurine with shadows, because we had something called Own Room, which was shadows, but it would be like. On a good round, it would be maybe two shadows, and they would skip a bunch of rounds, and it was just a couple of ones here and there. If you look at the Songfight bulletin board and go back in the past, it's, they started like 2016 or something like that. It was not anywhere near as common as it is now. So, yeah, I, I can't help but think that maybe Spin Tunes had something to do with it. I, I would hope so, but... You know, Nurine obviously inspired a lot more in Spin Tunes than we've inspired Nurine. I mean, because when I helped create Spin Tunes, I definitely looked at Nurine as a model and picked out a lot of the things I liked from it. But yeah, that's really cool if it's true that, you know, it, Spin Tunes had a little something to do with it. Because yeah. the more music, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, since I didn't have notes for all the shadows it might be best for you guys to just go without me here because i don't think i'm going to be much help to you and i just say thanks again for having me and good job everyone in narine till next year <laughs> all right thanks for joining us travis yeah uh, do you want to plug anything you got a website or anything you want us to oh plug? i don't need nothing to, i don't need to plug nothing just uh Come back next year for Nurine. Watch Spin Tunes, I guess. Even though I don't run it anymore, guys. I know there's a lot of people not too fond of me still in Song Fight, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to do with Spin Tunes if you have a problem with me. Uh, so keep an eye out for that, too. 
<laughs> if you have a problem with Dr. Lindyke, that's a different story. Yeah, he is kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and his, his home address is... <laughs> <laughs> he was going to mail us a trophy and never did, so he's on my list. He didn't say exactly what it was. It might have been an embossed pen or something. <laughs> I will get on him about that. I will guilt him tonight, I promise you guys. No, right. no, 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 no. No, no, no too we, late. I'll send him a link to the podcast, too. Okay. We're cutting all of this. <laughs> no, all right. well, thanks, the, the, the only part of you that we're keeping is where you compliment us. And everything else is gone. I couldn't expect anything more. Okay, yeah. Thanks, Travis. Talk to you later. Thank you. The first of the shadows that we're going to be reviewing is inflatable vegetables. I thought this was very jokey and the poor quality of the vocal track during the verse I thought was a bad choice. Yeah, it's distorted, that, right? Yeah, it's like a, a phone vocal or something like that. I thought that, okay, well, maybe he was just doing it over his you know, laptop mic or something like that. But then the chorus vocals come in and they're nice and clear. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I, I just thought it was a bad choice. And then that electric piano is too loud. It's way too loud. So it just kind of like overwhelms everything, at least in my iPod, ear pods, whatever they call them. The bridge was the part that appealed to me the most out of this song. And I'm going to make an admission here. I heard this song literally one time, like five minutes before we started recording this podcast. And the reason is because during the listening party, apparently Inflatable Vegetables decided to send in a Rickroll instead of this song. <laughs> So I remember it kind of started out as a like a backwards recorded Rick roll and then it switched over, flipped over and became just just this Rick roll. And uh, <laughs> that's and pretty Tommy, cool. Well, sort of. And Tommy just interrupted it and said, OK, I'm not having any of this bullshit. And he just interrupted it. And so I actually just assumed that that was what he would posted in the own room on the song fight bulletin board. And so I was like, okay, yeah, well, whatever. But then I was thinking about it, you know, before we were going to get ready for this podcast. And I was like, well, since Tommy wouldn't even play the song, maybe I should at least hear it to make sure that maybe it didn't switch into something different, like halfway through the Rickroll, like an opposite Rickroll or something like that, where it turned into a song because I know he posted some lyrics. And then I downloaded it and no, it's this entirely different song. <laughs> so he only has himself to blame for me listening to this song literally one time <laughs> before reviewing it. But yeah, I stand by it. I thought the poor quality vocals was a bad idea. And I thought the, uh, the electric piano was too loud. And other than that, it was a jokey, jokey song with some of the jokes being pretty funny. When it comes yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. I certainly like the joke, get in touch with nature. I don't like the way nature's touching me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was in the bridge, right? That <laughs> yeah, was really yeah. Good. 
I really like the chorus, you know. I, I, I like when he sings high, and I thought the chorus just really sounded good. It was theatric and fun, and, you know, I guess it had the joke about pooping and eating guava and, you know, meditation and all that, but I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. I listened to this song two or three times, and I thought it was fun, but I also didn't like the verse as much. And it's interesting that inflatable vegetable songs are often crushingly loud or very quiet. And this one was very quiet. Just, I guess, not mastered to the nines like some of his other songs are. But yeah, I thought this was fun. This is all about getting lost in Hawaii if you're a hiker or something, which can be pretty dangerous. And apparently, Ivedge himself has hiked in Hawaii and gotten a bit lost at times and has been a little bit freaked out by that. So that's kind of where this song comes from. In Hawaii, though, I mean, all you have to do is walk in one direction <laughs> for a while. Cause you're That's gonna, easier said than done. You're going to hit water at some point. <laughs> or know? lava or who knows yeah. what. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't be that. Yeah. <laughs> if I were lost in the – yeah, whatever. I would be yeah. fine. I would be fine. I would either walk east or west and eventually I'd hit one of the oceans. <laughs> I'd just follow the right wall. <laughs> oh yeah yeah if i was in a maze of twisty passages all alike <laughs> that's what i would do too yeah um all right so what do you say we move on to kraken lives or the kraken lives we have to move out of our rental And this is Glennie being somewhat funny. You know, bring your A game. So he lives in the Bay Area where the Oakland A's are, you know, the baseball team there. Oh, was that that whole? Oh, okay. Yeah. I just got the fun. So okay, this song is kind of a mix of what I assume are personal issues with Glennie uh, mixed in with sort of Oakland A's stuff. And um, yeah, That's the o- sports ball, right? Yeah, that is sports ball for sure. And uh, I can sort of sympathize because the Oakland A's are not a good baseball team. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Moneyball, but that was the story about, you know, how the Oakland A's are undercapitalized and they can't really compete in the baseball world because, you know, they don't have as much money as the Yankees and other big teams. And I can sort of sympathize because our Seattle Mariners also suck. I think we're competing with the Oakland A's to see who's the suckiest team in baseball. I've also noticed, you remember in 2015, that was the first time I've ever heard The Kraken Lives, and okay. uh, Glennie's kids were a lot younger then, oh, yeah. and so they, they sound a little bit older, so it's slightly less startling to hear children in the song, so. Yeah. Also, he uses the term dubs, which I guess is slang for the uh, warriors, as in dub for W. I, yeah. Yeah, that this was as much homework as I did on the song. <laughs> You can't uh, quote stats to me. The, <laughs> I'm afraid not. The Oakland A's, which somehow I thought were from Anaheim. I, I can't remember. Or San Diego. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know anything about anything with any of this. So, yeah. 
uh, it didn't connect. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that Glenny's personal life is also involved here, as he does, in fact, work late and nights, which is, I guess, getting harder. And he does live in the Bay Area, where things are expensive as hell. That scans. Yeah. The song opens up, and that guitar work and synth combination intro is is lovely, and it works really great, I thought. The sports stuff, I, I don't know anything about sports. And I, I, it's, I'm too old to care about it now. So, um, yeah. The guitar solo on this song is very Steely Dan, and I think that's that's great. You know, I like that a whole lot. And I liked where the vocal delivery got really loose and conversational during the last verse. I thought that was a really great sort of a take on it. But something about the last line of the chorus melody was really not appealing to me, and I can't really put my finger on why. And I know that isn't particularly helpful. Uh, like maybe it was reminiscent of one of those interstitial songs in, in a 1970s non-musical romance film, or something. You know, I know that sounds pretty specific, but it's kind of like you know sometimes there you'll see these films from the 70s and they'll have like this music video kind of inserted in the middle of it, and it's like what the hell, and it's all crap. Well, but anyhow, yeah. So just that last line of the melody of the chorus really didn't work for me. And I know that isn't particularly helpful, but I, you know, I guess I just didn't like the melody. It's one of those things where if this was a melody that was in a first draft of a jerkatorium song, we ditch it and come up with something different, yeah. you know, go through a couple of different iterations before we, you know, landed on something better. And again, this is, this isn't helpful. So I'm sorry about that. It's just that it didn't appeal to me. The rest of the song again, though, did the, uh, uh the guitar work was amazing. I liked it. I liked how, even though I didn't understand what it was talking about, it was a nice kind of delivery of the verses and everything. So it was good. Okay, let's talk about Lycanthrope. Hello, Miss Ada Claire. We've never met before. You're sweet as any Claire. And lovely to the core. Hey, will you marry me? Though we are orphans both I'll pledge my love to thee And take the marriage oath Let our lives be intertwined Troubled days are far behind We've survived them all alone let not our love be postponed. So I thought it was interesting that he kind of varied up his sound a little bit. So now he's got some MIDI vocal patches with both male and female voices doing some sort of vocal chorus thingy, which I think sounds kind of cool. It does remind me a little bit of the HBO intro, where at the end after the static, it goes, um... So every time this came on, I'm like, oh, am I listening to HBO? So that's just me. You know, and we think about the Ouija-verse, and we think about the concurrent challenges that happen for Agony Sauce and Vowel Sounds throughout the song. But I don't know if we really realize that I think Lycanthrope has written a Bleak House-themed song for every round. Or maybe he missed yeah. one round when he was on vacation in Iceland. But, you know, so it's also really cool that he's keeping this up. And this yeah. is, you know, a song about another Bleak House character. Yeah, I thought that this was pulling it together. I thought this was the end of the Bleak House suite. 
I think, you know, I, I looked at the cliff notes for Bleak House, so I cheated a little bit. So Ada Claire is, I guess, a minor character who I think this song is about. But, you know, Dickens is a crafty guy. So Ada Claire apparently is what they call a parallel character with the lead character, who is the uh, heroine of the show, Esther Summerson. So they both are orphans. They're both, you know, described as being beauties. They're both, you know, play toys for men, ostensibly. But yeah, she's a minor character, and she's like, you know, a parallel character. She's apparently also a foil for... Oh, God. I, I, I wish I would have taken better notes. But um, according to the cliff notes, she represents normalcy. And she is like, uh, even though she is a minor character, she's supposed to show how she is the normal one and how her foil is actually abnormal. And she is described as a blonde, blue-eyed beauty throughout the book, which is, I guess, kind of interesting. Which is what we should all aspire to. Yes. Yes, exactly. No. No. Terrible. Sorry. Terrible. Just uh, edit all of that out, because <laughs> that was terrible. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cliff notes. <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> I wish I had more to say about Lycanthroat Song than I did about the subject matter itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does use a, a really nice sounding harp sample this time around. And uh, that tambourine, the use of the tambourine was nice. And uh, the song itself was, you know, it was pretty mellow and laid back. The tempo is a little lower, slower, which works, I think, really well. I think the melody that he's going for is good. I think he doesn't hit a bunch of those notes again. And I think the mixing and the panning is really good, too. That really appealed to me like i think he was making some choices there that worked really really well he also uses a bit of that muted guitar sound again too and yeah. i know you like that so yeah all right so let's move on to mandibles Now that clav, or maybe it's a harpsichord, or maybe it's a guitar sample, but I think it's a clav, it reminds me so much of ACDC's Thunderstruck, you know. Uh, did, did, did you get that too? I think I got a hint of that. Yeah, and I thought it was maybe even a little too much of ACDC's Thunderstruck. And the overall impression that I got from the song is one of melodrama, and it sounds theatrical and operatic and maybe even anthemic. It's impassioned and rousing to the extent that it gets kind of dangerously close to camp. But I like it a lot, and maybe at least in part specifically for all of those reasons. You know, it's interesting choices in the background music and, you know, typically wonderful and impressive vocal performances. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I love, love, love the lyrics too. But uh, I'm not gonna want to listen to this a lot because the backing music gets a little grating, and uh, the vocals are not mellow. You know, they're not supposed to be mellow, obviously. But the song is just sort of it just sort of never lets up. You know, it it doesn't give you a break. And again, in some ways, that's good, but it's a little harsh. Isn't the right word. You know. I think some of the synth sounds are a little bit harsh. I had that in my notes. but the, And there's great and powerful singing. Like when Estefonia and Cybronica sing together, it's that is something. That is just, they yeah. have the power for that. But yeah, I think when you do it a lot, you know, when it happens throughout the entire song, you're just kind of bombarded with it. And if there's not places where it eases and lets up, it can be a little hard to listen to you all the way through. It's like... You know, you, you don't want to listen to the most intense part of Carmina Burana on a loop. The vocals along with the clav or and the, it, you know, it's just sort of a little bit unrelenting. Yeah. And, and again, that can be good. And, you know, the lyrics are fantastic, I think. So I, I really like that. It, it uh, took me a couple of listens to get exactly what it was going for. But yeah, I, I didn't know that literal bricks were thrown at cops at Stonewall. Apparently, outside of Stonewall, there was a construction site. And there were like 600 rioters there also fighting cops. I had no idea it was that many. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably giving out too much information here. I was born in 69. And recently, my father gave me a gift for either Christmas or my birthday or something like that. That was this, they make sort of these yearbooks with like newspaper headline stories for any year that you order. And I was kind of looking at it and I was noticing that, well, there's absolutely nothing about the Stonewall riots in there. And there was an encyclopedia where you could also get like year in review sort of things. And I looked back and there's nothing about the Stonewall riots in any of those. You know, none of that stuff got coverage at the time, but it's only that people, you know, realize in retrospect how significant it was and what a big deal it was. So anyhow, yeah, this resonates with me. The subject matter and also, these lyrics are great for that. I really appreciate that. And I really enjoyed the song. I know I've, I just talked about how it was a little grating, but more anthemic, I think, which I also mentioned about the song. So, yeah. Yeah. Are we ready to talk about the five Max Bombast songs? Five? That's crazy. Max Bombast number one is about zombies, and more specifically, zombie video games, which you ought not play before bed. You know, the thing I noticed about this right off the top is there's that Phrygian dominant scale that, you know, you hear it on the Offspring song, Come Out and Play. Do, 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 They also call that the Egyptian scale. Okay. I don't know. I just, I hear that. Like, I'm like, oh, they're doing that thing. It's Phrygian dominant. Okay. All right. All right. I'm with you. But yeah, anyway, so 
the thing that I like most about this song is just Max's falsetto, which, you know, you hear in parts of the chorus, and, oh my god, that dude can sing, but he has an amazing falsetto as well. Other than this, this was not my favorite of the songs. Like, I don't really vibe with the whole... I guess, you know, I've had video game dreams when I've gone to bed after playing video games for hours, usually high as a kite as well. It's, and it often doesn't end up well. <laughs> okay, the, the song is great. You know, there's a good sound to the song, and it's put together really well and really carefully, and I like how he brings elements in and out. That's really fantastic. And, of course, the vocal performance is amazing. But it's kind of too bad that it's about a video game because I have a lot of disdain for video games these days. I think it's such an amazing waste of time. You know, I think back on the times that I spent playing a lot of video games, wasting a lot of hours on video games that could have been spent doing literally anything else. And I regret having wasted all that time. And so, again, I have a sort of a general negative reaction to video games uh, these days. And I think this is a great song that could be improved even more by making the lyrics about literally anything else other than that. But I, it's what he was going for. So it's hard to criticize for exactly kind of the bent of the whole idea of the song because it's a good song otherwise. Yeah. All right. So next up, we've got the Max Bombast survival mode song. If Stress Is Your BFF is a great lyric. It is. And this is another great song. You know, it's not my favorite chorus from Max or Puse or Adam or whatever we're going to call him. And I know that it's crazy to ask for a different verse if he's submitting five shadow songs. <laughs> but looking at this as an individual independent song and not considering the accomplishment aspect of submitting five songs in a week, you know, I think this song might be better with new lyrics for that second verse. And that's the only thing that I can criticize about it. Again, crazy to criticize it considering the accomplishment that he's done here. But uh, but yeah, and it's a great song. I just wish it had new lyrics for the second verse. Yeah. The thing that I noted is I really like that stresses your BFF line. Um, yeah. And also you might suffer an acute condition called sobriety, which I thought was another great line. I used to joke that I need a medical marijuana card because I suffer from crushing sobriety. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like this song, but it was not my favorite of the Max Bombast songs. And, you know, there's comparatively not a lot of lyrics here. Yeah. But, you know, it's got this line about if stress is your BFF, if you go to bed, you cannot rest. And I wonder if it relates to the guy who's stressed out fighting zombies and can't sleep. That would make sense. Yeah, so maybe it kind of relates to that. You know, he probably came up with a lot of these lyrics all at once and then realized he had a lot and then was probably like, why don't I just do a bunch of songs? That might be a bit of a stretch, though, because I think there's a lot here that I, I want to be unrelated. Like, I don't want zombies and tremors in the same <laughs> thematic 
you know, sort of a universe here. Zombies and tremors and also higher end concepts. So I don't know. Okay, let's move on to Max Bombast number three. I'm calling this one Like Your Survival Depends On It song. Oh, uh, The Absence of a Statement is a Statement Yeah, song? that's actually maybe a gotcha. better title for it. All right, no, it's all good. There are some folks who wish that you were not, not gone, but just not. my favorite of the Max Bombast songs. I love it because it had guitar. It like had acoustic guitar and I think it also had an electric guitar sound as well in it. Either that or he tuned his bass very high. The thing I like most about this is that there are just killer harmonies on the chorus. Like on B loud or you know and then there's there's a bunch of layered multi-tracked vocals and it just all sounds really good. So yeah. I just, I just loved how this one sounded. And when this one came on, I just reached for the volume knob. It just got cranked every time it came on. Yeah, this was my favorite too, I think. It's a, it's a great driving, anthemic sort of a song. And it, it's a rebuke to apathy and silence. And that line, what is theoretical for you is personal for me, is a great, great line. Yeah. It's got a lot of insight in it. And you know, I think one of the big red state problems is that they don't feel any connection. So they fall prey to like the pundits and the politicians who dehumanize immigrants and Muslims and the transgendered and, you know, anyone and everyone who doesn't fit into the majority of their voter base. And I kind of love the message of this and the music supporting it is perfect. And uh, yet, you know, no, I'm not going to get a Twitter account and you can't make me. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got the Max Bombast Tremors song. Well, actually, they're called Graboids. Technically, Tremors is the name of the series. And after the sixth movie... He's a survivalist And he's got his doomsday list He's got his ammo His country Rambo It's Bert Gummer with the assist If you're having one problems I feel bad for your son He's got 99 problems but I Stop And this is another driving song It's kind of funny It's very specific <laughs> and I'm going to suggest that maybe it doesn't stand up to a lot of repeat listens and that ending interruption. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And I know that's the whole idea, but it still detracts from the songiness of the song. 
but I'm sure this was just for fun and he probably didn't make it thinking that we'd be obsessively pouring over it, you know, scrutinizing it for issues that really aren't applicable. It's fun. It's cool. Uh, and that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. I thought this one was cute and I thought it was amazing. I didn't realize that Max can also rap, but I guess it makes sense. So he was doing that sort of small town mic sort of speak talking or talk singing rap sort of thing, which he does very, very well. I, yeah, I enjoy this one. Like the, the, I got 99 problems, but, and then I think it's his like wife or girlfriend or something who interrupts him and just goes, stop. And yeah. I don't know. I thought that was hilarious. It cracked me up the first few times that it happened. But yeah, I didn't particularly love the song. I didn't like when it kind of goes into like, country waltz time and it's you know starts to sound sort of country but yeah uh i thought this was funny and at the end you know i guess i couldn't make out all the talking at the end but it's just well done and funny yeah and that's what it's supposed to be i think so trying to impose some other criteria on the tunefulness of it i i think is moot all right, so finally, we've got Max Bombast number five, which we're calling the Survival of the Fittest song. Another great rhyme. Like, my first note on this one is the rhyme of fittest and litmus, which I think is a great rhyme. Yeah, my first note is that bass drum. How can he get away with that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice anything about the bass drum. What was your criticism there? I think that he gets away with stuff that we would criticize with a lot of people. And he gets away with it because it's his sound and because he's, we know he's doing it on purpose. But that bass drum is overdriven. And it's like his, his plosives and everything like that when he does the... Yeah. And it's all just done on purpose, and I think that's why you can get away with it. But if you were to go back and listen to it right now, and I said, how, did, how can he get away with that bass drum? Because it starts out with that bass drum. It's like, bow, bow, you know, just really, really loud. It's overdriven. It's got to be like clipping or peaking or distorting or something like that. And he's doing it on purpose to that effect, and it's good. But I just kind of wonder, like, how he can get away with it, but we would yell at anybody else. <laughs> I think when you sing like Max Bombast, we're willing to overlook quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And and just the quality of the music. And because we know it's on purpose, I think that's another part of it, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the tones that he goes for, you know, and other people kind of like mentioned, like, uh, the pow pow is the kind of stuff that he does that's all just it's on purpose. He's doing it and it sounds good when he does it, but we would yell at anybody else who does it. <laughs> right. Get those plosives out of my headphones, man. Exactly. I'm just amazed what he can do with relatively few instruments and his voice. Remember at the start of the competition, we thought that he was going to just do it all acapella and still blow everybody away. That was because of the last time he did it all with just himself and uh, drums and a bass guitar. Yeah. And he, he just murdered everybody. So, yeah. I guess he's going to need to up his game if he expects to beat uh, Val Sounds next time around. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> Max Bombast is amazing and has absolutely deserved all the wins that he's gotten. And he's absolutely deserved the, the previous song fight. And then Narine wins. Having said that, I haven't gotten all weepy over a Max Bombast song when I have over like a Vowel Sound song. So or I a think, Rain Watts song. Yeah, exactly. You know, he can do really good, you know, anthemic and really appealing uh, in a number of ways. But if you want to just get the feels, then you need a different route. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I love this song, though. I mean, it's fun stuff. There's fun stuff going on with the instrumentation. You know, it's all drums, synth and voice, as far as I can tell. And uh, a fantastic vocal performance. And the lyrics are fine. You know, they're kind of just well-worded and interesting braggadocio and posturing. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good song. I think we're done. I think that's it. I think this may oh be the gosh. last song of the last Nurine round. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think I'd make it. You tired of podcasting yet? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I know it's just been one a week. Oh, no, it's been like one and a half a week because we've kept up with the song fight. And we've discussed this before, and I can edit this out if you want me to. But, you know, I think that what we're going to do from now on is probably maybe not do the Nurine and the Spin Tune podcasts. Or if we do, just like append them as, as quickie podcasts to the song fight podcasts. And even then, we'll probably just do the Song Fight podcasts when we can get a guest. Because I think those are always the best ones. Those are the ones I enjoy the most. And I don't want this to become a chore. Yeah. It's nice to get somebody else's opinion, too, because... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we haven't been a block, obviously. We've veered away from each other's sort of opinions quite a bit here and there. Two Jerks, One Vote has been a, <laughs> a dumb title... <laughs> since after the first time <laughs> because we've been at least two jerks two votes for the rest of the time so yeah, yeah. well i'm very yeah. pleased that we have a special guest lined up for the what is the oh, for the freak flag yeah for the freak flag yeah. fight this is just going to be a teaser let's not announce it let's just say hey everybody go check out the freak flag podcast it's going to be a, a doozy yep have you written your reviews yet i haven't even listened to the songs i don't care <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're just going to bring out the best in our guests by saying just stupid, ignorant stuff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to be problematic that whole podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to, yeah. No, it's uh, somebody that I've been listening to for a long, long time and uh, should be a lot of fun, I hope. So, yeah, I think that for these podcasts in general, we won't want to get back into maybe doing some more actual songs so, like, maybe some more, say, competing in Nurines and competing in Spin Tunes instead of just sort of sitting back and yeah. maybe doing a, a And people can tell shadow. us why our songs suck, which will be a nice turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. And now that we're on the other side of it, though, too, for both Spin Tunes and Song Fight, I don't think I'm going to mind. I think I understand now, yeah. you know, that people have different opinions and those are as valid as anything. And all of my previous concerns about a lack of accountability and stuff like that, it, it doesn't matter. It's all good. It's and all good. Yeah. As long as we get what we want out of it, which is more great matchy-matchy songs, more great Jerkatorium songs, then uh, I'm perfectly, perfectly happy. 
and more of everybody else's songs. Like, again, I think that um, a lot of these rounds have had exclusively good songs. I thought the chiptune round was amazing. I thought everybody did a great job on the chiptune song round. And I have downloaded more songs from this Narine than any other competition that I can think of. Yeah, I have all of the Neurine songs in iTunes, and I listen to all of the Neurines in, you know, random order, and it's pretty universally great. Yeah, too good. And <laughs> I'll say it, yeah, you really note how good Neurine is when you go back to Song Fight. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, 50% of the songs are good, are bearable. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. There, there have been some good stuff recently, but still, you know. There's a a noticeable quality difference and they have more time with song fight. So they don't have any excuse for doing a subpar job. But uh, anyhow, all of these people in Nurine should go back to song fight and start dominating. Oh my God. I hope we see some rain Watt in song fight. That would just make my day. Yeah. I was stunned that that she didn't, you know, make it to the last. I mean, I wasn't stunned because again, we both, (laughs) we made it happen. But it's because it was not as good a song as the others. So we we tried to be as objective as humanly possible. I think we did a good job in that. Unfortunately, that meant that we cheated ourselves out of uh, at, at least one, maybe two Rain Watt songs. But yeah, no, I've gone to her Bandcamp page. And uh, she has a couple of albums that are disappointingly <laughs> chiptune, meaning just <laughs> chiptune. You know, there's this thing about uh, a bunch of chiptune artists who do just instrumentals. And uh, so there's a couple of disappointing chiptune uh, albums. But the stuff where she's singing and doing, you know, her great lyrics and her great melodies and stuff like that is just wonderful. So, yeah, that's great. And then, of course, Vowel Sounds is fantastic. Vom Vorten, Gentle Brontosaurus, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And then, of course, Glenn Case and Rachel Lane. And I, geez, I, I'm not just going to list everybody here, but everybody's just done a fabulous job. Good. So I think we're almost done. Do you have any shout outs? I'll shout out to my husband, Andre. Thank you for all your love and support and your patience. And uh, <laughs> you, you get me back. For, you know, for the time that otherwise I would have been doing these podcasts. So sorry about that. And let's see who else. Special thanks to Brian and to Alice. If you're listening to this podcast, then why? Why? Don't do that. <laughs> go and go and make art. Um, <laughs> go play yeah. video games. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> and a special, special thanks to Nivius. And special congratulations. Oh, that's to right. Nivius and Brooks. Who are who, now who are, who are now, now a married couple. Woohoo! Yeah. Wow. So congratulations. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, I hear that they're gonna be doing a separate podcast for Nurain. So you thought two was too many? You thought two was too too many. Now there's going to be three, which will probably still only be two too many. (laughs) Yep. Let's see. I would like to thank my lovely wife, Sarah, and I would just like to give a shout out to the institution of marriage. I think getting married is probably the smartest thing I've ever done in my life. So if you're on the fence, buy a ring. It's worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Marry the first person you meet. (laughs) They're all pretty good. What could go wrong? Yeah. People are good. See. All right, I think I can hear the theme song playing. Ryan, we are done. All right, well, it's been a fun Narine, and we're never, ever, ever going to do this again. (laughs) 
All right. 